Hi, everybody. This is Tom, and we are back at our podcast again talking about disciple-making. And we are on the next episode, and today I've changed up a little bit, and I've got Deb and Daniel with us. Deb Carlson, say hi. Hello. And uh, tell us a little bit about you, how you came to New Hope Church. Um, well, my husband Dan and I came to New Hope about five years ago. We had been going to another e-free church in the area, but we moved a little further west and um, and heard about um, New Hope and heard great things about it. So we thought we would visit, and we visited, and we never stopped. We um, have gone here every Sunday ever since, so um, we really feel connected here. Yeah, wonderful. And Daniel? Yeah, so I'm Daniel, and I moved... Daniel Hall. Yes, yeah. I'm Daniel Hall, yep. I moved to Iowa on September 1st of 2022, and I uh, have been going to New Hope Church since the day after I moved here. Um, basically, uh, when I was in church in Kansas, where I was before here, a guy came up to me named Wes Sylvester, and he knew that I was moving to, to Iowa, and he asked me where, and I showed him, and he said, hey, why don't you try out this place that me and my wife used to go? called New Hope Church right off the side of the highway. So I uh, so I went and my parents went with me and we loved it so much that I that I just kept going. That's great. Yeah. Glad to have you both here in the podcast today. Now Daniel is a podcast veteran because I had him on about <laughs> number know, two, yeah. Yeah. About six weeks or so ago. We had a conversation on sin and the ramifications of sin. And you can go back and listen to that one if you like, uh, any of you who are listening. And so glad you came back. And Thanks. Yeah. Another, another shot at it. So um, what we're going to be talking about, like I say, is a little bit of our own experience with disciple making and being a disciple. And for each of you, just thinking about it a little bit and your perception of discipleship, uh, what is changed over the years as far as where you were when you were a newer Christian, where you're at today, of what it means to be a disciple and what it means to be a disciple maker. I know that's kind of a lot of questions all in one, but just uh, give some reflection on your own growth in that respect. Ladies first. Okay. Well, um, I um, came to know the Lord when I was um, a junior in college. And um, all of my roommates um, kind of dragged me to um, university and dragged me to different um, churches. And um, and Holy Spirit really worked on me. And so um, at the end of my junior year, um, came to know the Lord. And then all my Where roommates was at Illinois State. Okay. Because uh, I was State also university, involved in university. Yeah. Um, in normal Illinois. And, um, and then they all graduated. And there I was, a brand new Christian, and I didn't, I didn't, and all my Christian friends were gone. And so um, I got plugged into the local eFree Church um, in Normal, Illinois, and um, they had an adopt a student program, and so I kind of got adoptive parents cool. in the church, and um, also got very involved with the University Christian Fellowship and um, the the couple that was the sponsor of the organization kind of um, had an open-door policy for college students at their home, and um, we were always welcome, and they took me kind of into their family, and they had three small boys, and um, and um, I met and had Bible studies with them, and um, they um, just kind of adopted me. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was the start of my 
being a disciple process. And then when I went to graduate school, um, the same thing happened. I got involved with the local E-Free Church there and the um, university there and also um, had spiritual moms, I will call them, that Mm -hmm. kind of um, helped me along my way. And then as a um, newly married person, um, my husband and I met at the University of Iowa in graduate school, and then we moved to Texas, um, and then also had um, spiritual moms there who kind of guided mm-hmm. me along the wow. way. So, But then at some point, um, I um, realized that I needed to be investing into the next generation. As I matured in my faith, um, I needed to invest into younger people, as I was invested into mm-hmm. um, when I was um, a, a young believer. And so... Um, at a previous church, before I came to New Hope, I um, was involved in a discipleship relationship with a couple of gals who were in their 20s, and um, we would meet periodically and go through different Bible studies uh, yeah. together. And I really um, enjoyed that. They enjoyed the one-on-one time that we had. Um, it's, it's a lot different than being in a group situation. Um, I've been involved in a lot of women's Bible studies over the years, been yes. involved with women's ministries for many years. Um, but the, the one-on-one relationship is very different. Um, it allows you to go a lot deeper with someone on a more personal level and, um, and really, um, really dive, dive deeper into, into their walk with the Lord. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why it's so important, mm-hmm. because you can do that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Daniel, tell us a little bit about your yeah, story. So, yeah, so, well, your, your story was pretty encouraging, actually. That was pretty cool, I, and I appreciate you sharing all that. Well, um, in, in my experience, although, uh, so it was through uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, FCA. That's a huge part of my, of my testimony and, and what led me really um, to faith. And um, something that I learned throughout college at FCA that was so important, and that was at Ottawa University in Ottawa, Kansas, um, through that was the value that, like you were saying, of those one-on-one relationships and going through discipleship with others, um, in my case, it was with other men, um, there's so much value that is that is in those relationships that, you know, just the ability to grow. I mean, the, the Bible says, you know, iron sharpens iron. It's in Proverbs. And, um, you know, and, and one thing that I thought was amazing is like we made t-shirts every year. I'm actually wearing one today. Um, this one would have been, I believe for my freshman year, but for my senior year, we made black and yellow, black and gold t-shirts. And it says on the back, um, Hebrews 23 and 24. And it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he who promises faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. And that's something that was like our banner verse for my senior year of college that really inspired me and encouraged me to continue to want to meet with others, especially in those one-on-one settings and getting to really, you know, as I like to say, uh, you know, we're all going, we're all walking through the mud. So why don't we try and walk through it together, you know, and try and figure out, you know, what we're going to do, you know, together. Cause you know, life, life lived solo is a hard life, but life lived together is much easier, you know, and understanding that and being able to, 
to help someone not only through tough times and good times, but also have someone to hold you accountable is so important too. You know, just because then truly you'll know that what you're doing is, is, you know, aiming towards the Lord and trying to, to do what the, he wants for your life. So, yeah. Amen. What's the difference between meeting to do disciple making versus just meeting to hang out? Well, I think a big part of disciple making is bringing your Bible and, you know, popping it open and seeing what the Lord has to say, um, you know, through his word, because it says that the, the word is, is living, breathing and active. And I fully believe that. And, and I think that a big part of that is being willing to sit down with somebody and talk about God's word and talk about God. I think that that really separates that, in my opinion, that'd be more of the dividing line. You know, it's great to, to just hang out with somebody and get to know somebody better. That's awesome. But there's, there's a difference in that and actually aiming towards disciple making. And also, I, I truly think that as a disciple, you grow, but also the disciple maker grows alongside that person as uh, well. For sure. It mm-hmm. challenges you when you're being a disciple maker. Yeah. So we talked about a disciple as being um, not just somebody who learns, but as somebody who is like an apprentice, um, somebody who, who you're not just um, teaching, but somebody who's learning by doing alongside of you. And... Um, the, so the disciple-making relationship is, has, a, has an intent and a purpose um, for them to learn from you um, not just information, but how to walk with the Lord. And, and you can't learn that without seeing somebody walk with the Lord. So, so how I interact with the Lord, how I pray, how I study, how I... Um, connect with the church, how I um, tell other people about Jesus. Those are things that I can share as how I walk with the Lord in that, in that relationship. Yeah. So Daniel and I have been talking about some of the uh, things that are in the book, and I think we're just starting to talk about some of the challenges of being disciple maker. But just in your own experiences, what do you see as some of the challenges that come in making disciples, both for the disciple maker and for the person that's uh, receiving the uh, growth opportunity? I think one of the challenges is just logistical. So, um, so finding a time, because it takes time, yeah. finding a time to meet when people have jobs and lives and families and, and activities and things that pull them in a lot of different directions. Um, it, it takes a commitment of time mm-hmm. um, to do that and finding that time. And one of the challenges that I had in the past was the, the gals that I was um, meeting with um, moved. Um, one of them moved to another state, and one of them moved um, several hours away. And we did continue to meet via Zoom for a while, um, but that's it's not the same as meeting in person. Sure. So so that was another challenge for me was just um, the location. For sure. So yeah. Any others to add, Daniel? Yeah, definitely. Um, I completely agree. Especially in this day and age, everybody tries to pack their schedules as much as possible, and I'm as guilty of it as the next. But um, you know, understanding that there's so much value in it, I think, is important. That's why I love you know meeting with you once a week. You know, it's like. I get a lot of value. I see a lot of value in that. And also I understand that I'm, I'm growing a ton through it. I mean, I'm learning a ton and 
and I think that's great. And uh, yeah, I think definitely yeah, it pushes me too. And even yeah. though I might like know things in my head, just to be reminded of practicing right. what I know is so important yeah. for for all of us, no matter where we're at in our growth and our walk with the Lord. Go ahead. Yeah, and yeah. a specific example too of something else that comes to mind is like whenever I first started meeting with someone as a disciple, um, it was uh, it was Pastor Dakota Smith at Ottawa Bible Church, and he he made it. So he was so intentional about meeting in an open or public space and bringing his Bible and just sitting down and talking about it. And that was that was kind of eye-opening to me because I hadn't necessarily done that before. And for him to actually take me under his wing and like show me what that looks like to do that in a public setting. Because he wanted to show other people... Here's what God's doing. Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, and he was willing to, you know, take that chance of maybe there was somebody cleaning a table nearby or somebody walking in to order a coffee that, uh, you know, needed some encouragement or maybe could hear and listen in a little bit on what we were saying. And, uh, I mean, there's, there's virtually no risk in taking that chance because, when you do, then you never know the way that it could impact people's lives. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Great idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We used to meet in coffee shops purposefully. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Sometimes the coffee machine made the, the noise was a little challenging. <laughs> yes. But, um, but we like to do that to meet in yeah. public places. And... See, I'm learning new things myself all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Although I've done some, th- some of those kinds of things in coffee shops too. But yeah, that's great. And as we're thinking about disciple making, um, what are some of the important elements, as you reflect on it, that is a part of that process that you've learned either in your own experiences or I know, Deb, you were in on some of the initial teaching that Pastor Ryan did. What are some things that have stuck with you that are vital to the process? Um, I think, first of all, I well, I had my first meeting with someone today, um, and I think, first of all, is just um, getting to know that person and where they're starting from. Yeah. Um, what is their story? What is their history um, with, uh, with their walk with the Lord? Where are they currently? Um, and um, just understanding that so you know where in the process to jump in. Because um, if, if you don't know where they are, you don't know where to start. Um, but just getting to know them and their family and their history and their relationship with the church um, you know, what their daily walk looks like, um, that's kind of the, the, the first step um, for me is just building building the relationship and kind of finding out where they are. Mm-hmm. Anything to add to that, Daniel? Yeah, no, I love that. And I, I think that that's absolutely important. And being willing to also, like, set your pride aside and say, you know, you might be, you know, further down the road spiritually, just, you know, figuratively, of course, than they are. Um, but being willing to take a step back and say, hey, I see that you may not understand this or you may not have experienced this before. And being willing to kind of go on their level is is so important. And I think that that shows the genuineness, too, of what you're actually trying to accomplish. And that is just to grow spiritually and and train someone and disciple them. And I think if you look at you know, Jesus, you know, if we look at whenever he walked the earth and how that he discipled, because he did plenty of it, as we were mm-hmm. talking about earlier in our, mm-hmm. uh, you know, meeting. Um, yeah, Daniel and I were just talking about this, about <laughs> Jesus yeah. went about his life, and every day he's discipling people. He mm-hmm. didn't just 
go out and preach. He didn't just go out and perform miracles, but he's spending that relational time teaching, interacting, modeling, and we see that throughout the scriptures. Exactly, and he and he felt compassion on these people. You know, here here he is, where he's, I mean, the son of God, and he, he had every opportunity to, I don't know, perform miracles that could have just, I mean, done so many things out that I can't even imagine, but instead he chose to to lay lay his his pride aside and say, I'm going to help these people. You know, he I mean he, he said I mean the Bible says that he had compassion on them because he he felt as though they were sheep without a shepherd. Yeah, it says they were harassed and helpless, like That's sheep right. without a shepherd. And right. he recognized that the turmoil that people are going through that they they need a shepherd and I mean, for him as the son of God, obviously pointing to himself, but for us as the sub-shepherds, we're pointing people to Jesus as the ultimate good and great shepherd, the one who can meet that need that every person has boiling within them, but not always recognized. That's right. So a lot of times, or occasionally I should say, Maybe a pastor might ask, how many of you have been discipled? And usually not too many people raise their hands. And I've always just kind of wondered on occasion when I've asked that question, or I think I've heard Pastor Ryan ask it a time or two, not many people raise their hands. Why, why, do, you two, why do you think that is, that people haven't been discipled, or at least feel like they haven't been discipled? I think at least a lot of it, a large part of it is a cultural thing, just because, I mean, there's this, there's, there's two kind of factors that I can think of right now, at least of a a mysterious factor, I guess, for those on the outside looking in, they don't know what it actually looks like or feels like or is. Um, But for those that are just starting to get their feet wet, you know, and try to understand what that it might be or look like in their situation, it's, it might be difficult for them because they don't know what that commitment means or what it looks like. I think a lot of it's kind of boils down to those two factors, but mostly a cultural thing, you know, Mm -hmm. where we may not want to give up part of our time or, or put much effort into something like that. Yeah. Any further thoughts on that, Deb? Um, I think, Disciple-making has to be an intentional part of the church. So if you look at how how most churches function, um, they have a Sunday morning worship service, which is a large group of people, and and, um, they may have small groups. We have a lot of small groups at at New Hope. Um, And they may have Bible studies, but those are all group activities. And I don't think there is a lot of emphasis on -on one-on-one discipleship in our in our churches. Yeah, I think and so right. if if there's not a lot of emphasis on it, it's not going to happen by itself. Um, there has to be something that drives that um, that to happen. And um, you know, Jesus said, "Go while you're going, make disciples." Um, and and we say, "Okay, we're going to make disciples." But but how do you go about doing that? You have to have a plan. You have to have a way to go about doing that. Um, and uh, it doesn't happen on Sunday morning in a large group gathering, and it um, it doesn't happen in small groups. Um, so there has to be there has to be some kind of structure, yeah, some that's kind very of insightful. impetus that makes it happen. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think, so, you know, speaking from the pastoral's perspective is there's kind of this pressure to keep the church going. And you're like a hamster on a wheel all the time. You're just spinning. And you feel like, okay, if we're spinning, we're doing well. Well, uh, that's not really necessarily the truth. There's some things you're doing well, maybe, hopefully. But like you said, um, unless it's intentional, a lot of times it doesn't happen. And so I've appreciated that we are once again bringing to the forefront the necessity and the calling that there is to emphasize the work of one-to-one kind of relationship. And to add to that, too, uh, Tom, do you remember the uh, the saying that I told you that, or the, the um, tagline that my church in Kansas used? Do you remember what it was? I kind of forgot what it was. It was, after uh, it was live sent. Okay. So their, their statement was live sent. And the meaning behind that was to be someone that not only is a disciple, but a disciple maker that lives out that life of the Great Commission, which when Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, you know, baptizing them in the, the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's, uh, that's truly what their, their intention was. Yeah, and... Remember the other passage we talked about in John chapter 20 today, when you and I were talking a little bit. John 20, 21, again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And so I think probably that phrase comes from that passage in John. We are sent ones. And uh, we're involved in the mission of God. And so he sends us on mission and our mission is to make disciples as matthew chapter 28 verse 18 through 20 and that primarily is uh, a work that takes place at all levels yeah larger groups small groups but also one-to-one and it's the one-to-one part i think that is easily forgotten because and easily overlooked because like i said in the church structure, we often don't get credit for that one-to-one work. Neither pastor nor lay people. People don't see it. It's, it's kind of hidden. But it's kind of like the foundation of a house. That foundation should be there. And so this one-to-one work, I'm really believing, is going to set a really good foundation for what God's going to do in the future through New Hope Church. And I know that, uh, Deb, you've been very involved in women's ministry. And what are some of the unique ways that, as a women's ministry team, you guys are doing disciple-making? Um, well, actually, we have um, we have a meeting tonight. Okay. Um, we are, there's a group of oh, 12 to 15 of us who have been through the training. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we're going to meet um, once a month um, just to encourage each other to pray for each other mm. and to share ideas. How is it going? What are the challenges? Um, you know, what resources do we have? Um, and um, so we're we're doing that. We're having our first meeting tonight um, to do that. And um, I also, um, you know, we're trying to get the word out there through the newsletter and other means of what is it? What is this training all about? And and who should be involved in it? And um, since it's something kind of new, um, we just want people to understand um, 
who it's for. Um, so if you're a new believer and you want to know, um, you know, more about Jesus, uh, why should I follow him? How do I study the Bible? How do I pray? Then this is for you. And if you're, if you've been a believer for a while, um, but you want to know more about how to share your faith with other people, um, this is for you. Or if you've been a believer for a while and you want to know more about your spiritual gifts and how you can use those spiritual gifts to help people in the church, then this is for you. Or if you have been a believer for a long time and you want to learn how to make disciples, um, this is for you. So it's for, it's for lots of different people in lots of different places to connect with the process wherever you are and then move forward from there. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I think a couple different aspects of that. One, if you've been a believer for a long time and you're saying, yeah, I feel like I should already know how to do this. Just uh, chill, uh, <laughs> as they say. It's okay if you don't know how to do it. Come, come and learn how to do it. And if you're a newer believer or someone that uh, you're saying, well, I, I don't know about this, just give it a try. Come and talk about it and experience it. And you're not locked in forever. Uh, it's, it's the opportunity to grow. And I just want to put in a good word for the book that Ryan wrote, yeah. the Dangerous Discipleship mm-hmm. book. Um, when I was discipling um, these, these um, gals at the previous church, um, I would have appreciated to have a resource like mm-hmm. that. It's because it's, so, it's all laid out from how do you get from step one to step two to step three and, and where do you need to, you know, what the, the steps along the way and how do you get from point A to point B? And I didn't have that. Um, we just kind of invented it as we went along. Right. Um, but this is very structured um, and it's very easy to follow. There are good illustrations on how to, how to help someone talk about their faith to, you know, have them talk about how they um, encountered Jesus and, um, and their salvation story and how to share that in a, a very easy, simple way. Um, and there's, there's just a lot of good information in the book that has, gives a lot of structure um, to help with the process. Yeah, I agree. And that was uh, one of the things that we talked about as we were trying to figure out curriculum was what are we going to use because there is like lots and lots of curriculum out there, but we just decided, well, let's be in alignment with some of the things that Pastor Ryan's written and it's laid out well and mm-hmm. we'll just go with it. Yeah. And one thing too of, you know, on your on your previous point um, about you know meeting with these women like you are of that are at various stages of their faith, um, you know, and that's that's something that's that I think is great because that shows to those like you were saying, Tom, of those that are um, further along in their walk with Christ and those that are newer. It shows that there is no dividing gap there there should never be it should never feel like there's a boundary there just because you're new to this or just because you've been doing it for a while um really i mean like i was saying earlier we're all trying to navigate the waters together and that's uh, so important to remember for sure how about in terms of age since uh danielle you represent the younger spectrum a little bit and um I won't speak for Deb, but I represent <laughs> the older spectrum. And uh, does that come into play at all or not? What do you think? Yeah, um, I think it can. It doesn't have to, I don't think, but it certainly can. Um, 
You know, I, I just turned 23 yesterday, so I'm still a youngin'. Happy birthday. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I didn't realize and, uh, I just turned 23. Yeah, yesterday. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah thank you. And the, the biggest thing is, um, you know, just like I, I just, uh, we just started up that young adult small group that I'm leading too on Sunday evenings. Mm-hmm. Shout out if you want to come Sunday at 7 p.m. Um, but anyways, uh, and the biggest thing is, um, for for those that are in especially my age group it's kind of tough because this is a stage of life where you're like me and you're moving off to a completely new state from where your parents lived or where you grew up or you're even going off to college coming home from college there's so many variables at this stage of life or you've been around your parents go to this <laughs> church and yeah, all yeah. those kinds of tensions right but but the important thing is finding others that are at, at least in a similar age group as as you are which is what I love to do and being able to just say, hey, I'd like to know more about this aspect of the Bible or this aspect of, you know, the Holy Spirit or just something something involved with it. And being willing to ask is never a bad thing, you know. And I think that that's so important and it's tough for people that are in my age group, I think. Tough to ask. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's tough for people in our age group sometimes to ask younger people because we think, ah, oh, they haven't, they won't be interested. Yeah. And uh, I don't think either generation we shouldn't. I mean, we do feel those things at times. So trying to pray through, figure out ways to get past those things are important and good. Yeah, but I mean, there's, you know, I I won't say how much, but there is a a couple of years between us um, yeah. in age and. <laughs> And then you're, you know, but you're discipling me. And like, that's, that's awesome because that shows that, that there is, there is hope out there for, for people in my age range. Yeah, we're all just kids at heart. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. So there is no age limit on being a disciple. Mm -hmm. Um, We're all, we're all learning no matter, no matter our chronological age, uh, we're all learning. And so, um, you know, if, if you have, um, you know, been a Christian for many years, and, and you might feel embarrassed about saying, I've never been discipled. Um, can I do this? Um, there's no reason why you can't. Exactly. Um, I mean, I'm meeting with a couple of gals, and one of them is older than me, and one of them is younger. So, um, so I don't, there isn't really any age limit. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it works for everyone. I agree. So, yeah. So, as we kind of wrap up here, what are some reasons, um, that you would encourage people to get involved in the process, in the disciple making process. Each one a quick one is what we're calling our particular program. Why? Why would a person get involved? Um, I'm actually very excited about um, the whole process um, because I think anything that helps build relationships between people in the church and helps people walk with Jesus. Um, is a good thing. Amen. Um, so I'm very excited about seeing this getting started and just the, the relationships that will be developed um, and the growth that will happen um, mm-hmm. are very exciting to me. Great. Yeah. Daniel? Well, for me, there's just one specific verse that comes to mind, and that's Matthew 9, 37. And it's uh, Jesus says to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers out into his harvest field. Mm. Mm. That's right. Well, let's do that. Then let's pray. (laughs) Yeah. 
Lord, uh, we do pray that you would send out many workers into the harvest field and that you would use us. Thank you so much for Dev and Daniel and for all the work you're doing in their lives and through their lives and for many who are listening. And we just uh, ask you to do great things, not for ourselves, but for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.